somebody's got a podcast with you, and I suppose it should be me. Is that what you suppose? I suppose. Are you turning us on? Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Start the recording. I did. Oh, you bitch. <laughs> you ready? Yeah. Welcome to They Mostly Podcast at Night, episode 103, Black Christmas. If this podcast doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight. The podcast is on too tight? Apparently. How do you wear our podcast? Very carefully. (laughs) (laughs) Very carefully. Okay. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode. I am your host, Chaos. I'm your host, Carnage. Howdy ho! (laughs) And uh, for those of you uh, just joining us, we are the Mostly Podcast at Night. The show where two best friends of 20 years bicker and banter their way through a different horror movie each week. What? Why are you giving me that look? No, I'm hoping this isn't picking up my drink. Oh, I thought I was saying something wrong. No, that's this look. <laughs> Different horrified Different look. Horrified look. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> um we take turns picking them, uh, and we rarely see eye to eye, but that always makes for an interesting show. It is indeed. Indeed. Yeah, so we break down the movie, we go through it with you, we talk about the cast, we talk about our opinions, we talk about trivia, we we look up fan fiction, we give out arbitrary awards. We sometimes make up fan fiction. We sometimes make up fan fiction if there is no fan fiction to be had. <laughs> That's the fun way to do it anyway. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah, so, so yeah, this oh, week... Um, oh. Uh, warning for expletives and spoilers. Just when I think she's done, she keeps going. I, I, I'm sorry. Okay. I know this movie is from 1974, but... They say the C word in this movie. I'm impressed. But I was going to say... Uh, <laughs> so we're still saying spoilers ahead, even though it's from 1974. Cass, I have a question. What? Since they say the C word in the movie, can I say it on this podcast? I mean, we are an explicit podcast. I yes. I guess you can. All right, perfect. Um, this week we watched. I mean, if you feel okay with yourself after using such a horrid gender based insult, I love that term. <laughs> All right, this week we watched Black Christmas. It was done in 1974. It got an R rating <laughs> and 98 minutes long. Got a 7.2 on the IMDb scale. What about the tomato meter? So glad that you asked, you see, because the tomato meter is sitting at a 71% critic consensus, the rare slasher with enough intelligence to wind up the tension between bloody outbursts. Black Christmas offers fiendishly enjoyable holiday viewing for genre fans. Audience score, 75%. Pretty close across the board on everything. It's really rare that you see, like... All three are in the same 10 range, you know what I mean? Range of 10. Mm-hmm. It's very, very rare. 
Yeah, it is pretty rare for them to all kind of line match up. like that. Yeah. I wonder if our ratings will line up too. <gasps> oh, mm. you'll just have to stick around to the end and find out. <laughs> Who was in our cast? Mm. Who were we watching? Well, uh, we were watching quite a few performers. <laughs> Jess was Olivia Hussey. Uh, she's mostly known for Romeo and Juliet, but she also did Death on the Nile with one of our favorite previous performers, Bet- Betty Davis from Burnt Offerings. Yeah. Surprisingly, they didn't get along either. You're I'm kidding. I'm thinking it's Betty Davis. I don't know. She didn't what get do along you with mean? anyone. Just because nobody gets along with her, it must be her. Kind of like you, how no one gets along with you, so it must be you. Uh, <laughs> I, oh, well... That wasn't designed to make me feel good. <laughs> I, don't, I don't appreciate that. Just kidding. <laughs> Who's next? Uh, well, <laughs> I guess Barb is. Um, Who was Barb? Barb was played by Margot Kidder. She's known for Superman and Amityville Horror. Yes, she is. She played Lois Lane. She did indeed play You're Lois Lane. You're kind of like Lane. Lois Lane. <laughs> I'm trying to bolster you. I don't know how. <laughs> I'm trying to bring you back up after that letdown. <laughs> Phil was Andrea Martin. She's known for uh, Big Fat Greek Wedding, Hedwig and the Angry Itch, but my favorite Andrea Martin movie is Stepping Out with Liza Minnelli and Julie Walters. Oh. Yeah. Mrs. Mack was Marion Waldman. She's known for the movie. She was only in six movies. I thought I knew her from other things, and I looked her up, and I'm, I guess not. But she was known for Phobia and Deranged, Confessions of an American... No, I'm sorry. Deranged, Confessions of a Necrophiliac. Necrophilia? No, be Necrophiliac. Is it, is it Necrophiliac? I had it written down. Yes. So I had it written down right. Okay, I couldn't read my writings. My writing's horrible. Yeah, your handwriting is worse than chicken scratch. It's yeah. an insult to so chickens. So guess what the next movie we're going to be watching is? Confessions of a Necrom... <laughs> whatever? Yes. Just kidding. Can't wait. Just, I don't think it's a horror movie. I think it's a documentary. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I don't think it is. I'm kidding. <laughs> I have to go. <laughs> All right, keep going. Peter was Kier Dula. He's known for Space Odyssey and Hunter, hunting, Haunting of Julia. I can't talk And today. he gets the Chad Award. Oh, he does. Which is the award we give to the, dig- the biggest dick. In the biggest The biggest dick. dick. <laughs> the biggest dick in the movie. Uh, can also be a woman, but usually ends up being a man. Uh, mostly yeah most of the time named for chad from tucker and dale versus evil mm-hmm. he wins because he's such a big asshole yeah he is a big asshole Which we'll talk more about that later yeah we will nash was doug mcgrath he's not from nightmare on elm street oh cool the, he's nancy's the, dad the, the, oh yeah. yeah that's right he's a Duff. cop in that too yeah, he is yes he is a cop in that too um Lieutenant- oh no i'm sorry that's reversed I fucked up. That's not Nash. That's Lieutenant Fuller, John Saxon. Oh. He played Nancy's dad. Okay. Um, Nash is known for Porky's. Totally different movie. Not like Nightmare on Elm Street at all. That makes more sense to me. Okay. I'm like, So, yeah, Nash is known for Porky's, which is another Bob Clark movie. Bob Clark was the director of this movie. Bob Clark also directed Porky's. There you go. Oh, that's something impressive to put on your resume. I like Porky's. I bet you would. <laughs> Lieutenant Fuller was John Saxon. He's the dad known from Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm also Street. a cop in that movie. Yes. 
Chris was Art Hindle. Also known from Porky's. <laughs> Gross. Hey, I'm just trying to help him Claire out. was Lynn Griffin. Lynn Griffin's actually known from Dreamhouse, a previous movie that we did. But she's also known for other stuff. She's made for um, Strange I, Brew. I'm not even... Do you remember no, Strange I'm Brew? Even, I'm not even gonna, like, admit that we did Dreamhouse. Fuck you. I mean... It was a horrible that. movie, but we watched it. No way. I'm not even cr- taking credit that I did Dreamhouse. Okay, seriously, though. Do you remember Strange Brew? Yes. I love fucking Strange Brew. She played Pam. I don't remember who Pam is. The only girl, Elsinore, the daughter of the brewer... It's been a long time since I've seen that movie. A long time. Okay. I don't know who Pam is. So Billy, the killer slash the phone voice slash prowler was a few people, but we just wanted to shout out to director Bob Clark, Albert Dunk, Nick Mancuso, and Anne Sweeney for being Billy. All four of them. Well, and different things like the... um. Albert Dunk was mostly the physical part of it. And then Bob uh, did parts of the voices. Nick did a lot of the voices by standing up on his head. Uh, so it compressed its larynx. Um, so that's how he did the voice of Billy. And then Anne did some of the more female voices. When you heard the yelling and it sounded like a mm-hmm. really girl, it really was a girl. So, yeah, they each had their own parts of Billy. Yeah. And that's how. And then um, while they were actually filming, they did all the the... Uh, audio tracks after of course mm-hmm. so while they were filming it was bob clark re- just reading different things to the actresses trying to scare them to give them the the face <laughs> the scary faces like the oh, i'm frightened you know that kind of thing so you're what you're saying is some crimes were probably committed on the course of on this set because he was saying lewd oh, inappropriate and yes. terrible things to these women yes i mean i don't think he told them about his shopping list yeah that doesn't seem terrifying Mitchum. <laughs> Mitchum. Banana. Okay, side note. The, the hosts of this podcast are also very huge psych fans. So if you ever hear a psych reference, that's why. I know. You know. That this movie was great. I know. You know. That we just got a full late. Wait, whoa. whoa. No, um, kind of ties in with the movie, though. Sort of. <laughs> um okay so let's see what 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 do we do, do you now want one of my summaries i don't remember what we do now it's um summary, we huh? do a, a carnage's five second summary yes all right it's the 70s mm-hmm. there's shag carpeting mm-hmm. it's a sorority house filled mm-hmm. with c-words <laughs> a killer crawls in from the attic and things go around. you know this goes into our show notes i'm just saying <laughs> I'm being funny when I say the C word. I don't ever use the C word. That's why I'm saying the C word and not the actual word. Really? Really. I thought you were saying now, the actual twat, word. Now twat, I'll say all day long. Oh my God, at least pronounce it C-word. right if you're going to say it all day twat. long. No, it's pronounced twat. twat. It was always pronounced twat. I don't know why Americans think it's pronounced twat, but it's twat. Because we're American and that's how we pronounce it. Oh my God. It drives twat. me crazy. You're a twat. You're a fucking twat. You're you're a butthole wrapped in plastic wrap found in an outhouse in Pennsylvania. So there. You're the shit of a beaver that's been lost in the snow and hardened and then melted in the sun and then made into a waffle cone and then fed to a little child <laughs> who then vomits all over your shoes. You're the penis of a polar bear. 
it's been lost in the snow for 10,000 years. Oh, borrowing my lost in the snow jab? Yeah. Uh-huh. Real, real good. Real good comeback. I couldn't think of yeah, anything else. Uh-huh. Fine. You're a penis on a polar bear caught in a fire, blazed and burning with smoke to see for miles. Is that better? Yeah. Well, you're a vagina that has chronic UTIs. I do have chronic UTIs. Stop it. Wait, told me not to talk about that on this podcast. God. Anyway, should you want to get into the real summary? Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> so we should stop insulting ourselves? Mm-hmm. Okay, polar bear penis, get us going. Fuck you, you get us going. No, I took the last one. You go on this one. Motherfucker. Oh. <laughs> uh, let's see. This is a Canadian slasher film. Okay, we can't watch it then. We're at war with the Canadians. What are you talking about? I'm not war with the comedian. The Justin com- Trudeau is I'm my bitch. I'm not war with the comedians. <laughs> okay, we haven't had anything to drink tonight, I swear. I, we are both stone cold sober. It is you No, know, I'm true. mad at Justin Trudeau because he won't return my calls. Which is rare for me. What? <laughs> you want me to repeat that, really? You're mad at Justin Trudeau because he won't answer your calls? Yeah. So therefore, we're at war with Canada. Okay, I see. Well, that's good. Is it, though? Sure. Can I just say something about the setting before you even get into this? Yeah. The They really committed to the 70s with those curtains and those clothing. Well, it was done in 1974. I know, but it's so fucking horrible. It makes me want to cringe in every turn. I don't say that about many movies. And it's not even about the killer. It's just about the fashion. And the decorations that make it me want to cringe was every turn. The real seventies. Yeah. I have deja vu all of a sudden that we said this already about another movie. You know what deja vu really is? It's your memory doing system checks. Oh, my memory's doing a system check. Mm-hmm. My memory says we've done this shit before. <laughs> oh, no, God. all it is is a memory check, but for some reason it makes you feel like you've done something you've never done before before. Do you want to start us off in the summary since this is your movie? I guess so. All right. So <laughs> the movie opens with uh, it's a killer point of view shot mm. where the killer uh, who turns out to be named Billy. We're, well, we don't know if he's Billy. We're just going to call him Billy. He says Billy on the phone. He says so Billy on the phone, so I'm calling him Billy. That's fine Actually, I me. think he's credited in the movie as Billy. Yeah, I think so, too. So, anyway, uh, we get the killer view as Billy climbs into the attic of a sorority house. Yes. That's right. A sorority house. And the next thing we see is a Christmas party going on at said sorority house. Question. Yeah. Was sorority house horror taken at this point? I mean, why is it called Black Christmas? You think it would be like sorority house murder well, sorority scene. Row wasn't around yet, right? I don't so, think so. Or just sorority house horror. I should probably double check that before I see No, that. I think you're right, though, because this movie was done in the 70s. This was 74. Yeah. Have you seen that movie? It's really good. I Oh, me? No, I have not. Sorry. You haven't seen The House on Sorority Row? I have not. I've been saving it for... 1983. I've been saving it for a special occasion. Really? Or are you just making fun of me? No. um, Rush is actually in springtime, so I figured we should do it then. We should. I think. I don't know. Rush used to be in springtime. Maybe not. I might be totally fucking making that up because I was part of an honor fraternity, so I really don't know anything about social sororities. Wouldn't you do it like when when you start out? I don't fucking know. Wouldn't that be fall? Maybe it's fall. 
I don't know. Maybe they get, I feel like they give you a semester, but I'm not sure. I certainly wouldn't know because I went to college online, so we didn't have sororities. I didn't, but I never did the social shit. We called them fluff chicks. Nice. I think we have friends with some fluff chicks. Well, that's good, Miss Feminist. No, I'm just saying we called them back in the 80s. I know. I'm just teasing you. Um, Okay. So, Jess, the uh, girl with very pretty hair. I love her And the interesting accent and Mm -hmm. the boobs, the hands holding her boobs sweater. Don't you remember her sweater? I love that fucking sweater. It her, really does. Looks like a pair of hands cupping it her boobs. Like a pair of hands cupping her which boobs. Which is yeah. really racy for the 70s. I don't know mm. if they thought it looked like that or I don't they know. thought it was just a pretty design back then, but I love it though. I, I just too. I just I actually I didn't even notice that you brought it up and then I saw <laughs> it, but all I ever noticed when Jess was on screen was pretty hair. Because yeah, cuz you're her favorite. She's her favorite hair one, isn't she? Yes, I have such a thing about hair. I just love her accent. It's so exotic cuz she's we I'm like we were talking when we first watched this movie. I don't know if you remember or not, but I'm like, she's not just British. She's something else, too. When we first watched this, I was like, she's not just British. There's something different. We right. found out she's part British, but she was raised in Argentina with her Argentinian father. I mean, it's like a mix. It's a very interesting. Yeah, her mother's father is English and Scottish, but her she spent her youth in Buenos Aires. Buenos Aires, not yeah. Argentina. That's in Argentina. Oh, it is. <laughs> Isn't it? I think what? so. I don't know. Her obviously. father was in. We're not really with it tonight, are we? Uh uh-uh. uh. Her father was Argentinian. Okay. And she was raised in Buenos Aires. Oh it's, my God. It's I'm all so South ignorant. America. Guess Shut what? up. I know. Guess what? Now I know. What? Now I know that Buenos Aires is in Argentina. I don't know if it is or not. I really don't know. You're an ass. I, are you asking <laughs> me or telling me? I don't know. Hold on. Now I got to fucking look it up. And no, I don't want to create an account on IMDb. Oh, my God. Buenos Aires. I'm looking it up right now because now I need to know. I'm oh, not Daniel Craig. <laughs> yes, it's the capital of Argentina. Oh, my Dina. God. Oh, my God. What is wrong with us tonight? We are really... I I have a lot on my mind tonight. Honestly. Do you know what I'm missing tonight? I just tonight need for to this purge podcast? my mind so that I can focus. Yes. We can watch the purge. I heard purge. No. Um, You know what I'm missing tonight? Hmm. The Tournament of Champions on Jeopardy. See, that's how I learned about the capital of Argentina, by watching Jeopardy. But you didn't know that. Shut up. I was a brain fart. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so she's got a very awesome accent, and that's she why. She does. She does. Very and, beautiful and distinctive. And uh, anyway, she gets an obscene phone call, and apparently the girls have been getting <laughs> obscene phone calls. They're horrible, too. They are really obscene uh like truly obscene like some of the things that are being said i'm surprised for the 70s i was i was a little surprised too at what that they uh actually had him say yeah that might have gotten them an r rating all on its own well and they they did it um so the director actually just spoke to them through the phone and then they did all of that after like the the Oh yeah, well, it was that. obviously dubbed. I mean, yeah, yeah. Although they did take be. the cunt out of the British version, oh, so we got the c word. Oh, but they did they not didn't. get the c word. Oh, interesting. So it sounds a lot worse on our side over here, which is us. weird because, like, when you when just from what I've seen of British television, it doesn't seem like mm-hmm. they take the c word as seriously as we do. No, not at all. So well, they usually use twat instead. Twat, twat. Yeah, twat. Yes. They do. Hi. 
Get out of the plastic. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Get out of the plastic. <laughs> Penelope. No eating plastic. She is. She's in rare form tonight. Mm. She's participating instead of just being an audience member. Mm-hmm. She's a active participant of our feline audience. <laughs> Uh-oh. And now she and Winifred are having a stare down. And it might get ugly because for the last few nights they've been clashing. Oh, a God. lot. So if anybody starts to hear any, like, cat screeching, it's just my two cats It's not carnage it for a change. It's not carnage. It's actually my cats getting ready to rumble. Which they do frequently. So Jess gets this phone call, which everyone in the sorority has to come down to. Yeah, everybody comes down to listen to this, and they're all horrified by it. It's not like, well... um, Except for Barb. Except for Barb. Barb is amused. And Phil's amused at Barb. And Phil's amused at Barb. But the others are horrified. But for some reason, instead of being like, ew, get away from me, they all gather around so that they can listen to these obscene things. And the then, horrible things they're saying. Yeah, for some reason. And then Barb finally has enough, and she grabs the phone away from Jess and starts provoking the caller. Because <laughs> it's good to poke a bear. Absolutely. I like to go out on the weekends and poke bears on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And then this upsets Claire. Well, yeah, she's so... Claire's very sensitive, and she's having a hard time fitting in with the other girls, and Barb picks on her a little bit for because of it. Well, okay, so I've got a question about this, because I have questions. If she's got a hard time fitting in with the other girls, how did she even get picked for the sorority? Because that's the point of Rush and all that stuff. I do know this part, is to make sure you're going to fit in with everyone. What, did she just have a lot of money, and they're like, oh, well, she could be a part of us, even though she's as uptight, put a coal in her ass and pull out a diamond five weeks later type person yeah she does not it's one of these things is not like the others with claire one of these things just don't belong but then you know what it's funny though because in her room you would not get the idea from the decor that she was this uptight little girl because she's got posters of like she's got this poster of two people making a peace sign while they're having sex right What's the other one they have in there, too? Um, There's a couple of rather rude Questionable things, yeah. Questionable content. Not questionable for, like, Barb, maybe, but definitely questionable for Clara's character. Yeah. Yeah. So it's weird. It's like, okay, does she have this other side and that's how she got in? We don't see that other side, though. We Mm -hmm. only see... Because, well, we don't see very much of Claire because... Because Claire goes to pack, and she hears some rustling in the closet, and she ends up finding the killer there, who suffocates her with a dress bag. Yay! Oh, wait, that's not right. Claire is our first victim. You know why he suffocated her, right? Why? Because the bitch owned dress bags. Who owns dress bags? I mean, seriously, you're really uptight if you own dress bags. Just saying. I am right now staring into my closet looking at dress bags. You're such a fucking No, I'm not. I'm seriously. Oh, you're an uptight fucking bitch then. No, you know what it is, though? It's from the fire when my house burnt down. Oh, okay. Because the um, insurance company had everything dry cleaned. I don't think... Yeah, but okay, that's... Those dress bags are temporary. By the way, my house burned down. I don't don't know. Good story. (laughs) Yeah, great story. Just like no context whatsoever. This is like three years ago, too. Yeah. Those dresses are still in bags. Just saying. It's actually more like, what, like four years ago? How are those dresses still in bags? No, they're not even dresses. I don't even own dresses. It's just stuff stuff that's still in bags and we just haven't worn it and it's in the closet. But that kind of bag's like a temporary bag. Like, you get rid of it. You don't keep that bag. She had like the nice kind of like... 
the expensive dress bags, like the high flutin, rich hoity toity. Plastic to me. No, she had some canvas dress bags in there. Yeah, I saw but them. the one she got strangled with well, was no. plastic. That was plastic. I'm just saying she did have other dress bags, and that's why she should have gotten strangled. She deserved to be strangled because she had dress bags to keep her clothes nice. Yes. It's a real thing. And there goes another pin in the board. (laughs) All right. Never mind. Keep going. Oh, he hides her body in the attic. We forgot to say that. Yes. uh, Billy drags her up to the attic and puts her in the rocking chair by the window. Where the cat goes up. Claude. He goes up and uh, licks her. They had to pet catnip on her to get him to lick her because he wouldn't lick her any other way. And she actually poked holes in her mouth and her nostrils. Mm-hmm. so she could breathe because otherwise she, even still it was a hard time breathing for the actress I but... bet that was not fun no Mm-mm. Claude the asshole mm-hmm. <laughs> he's pretty strong though Billy yeah because that's a narrow fucking ladder to get up and down on your own well you know I mean he is a slasher killer which means he's got the magical killer, killer strength magic yeah mm-hmm. okay. magic killer magic um so <laughs> So then the next day, Claire's dad, Mr. Harrison, he shows up uh, to meet his daughter on campus. Can't find her anywhere. So he uh, he talks to a passing student and says, like, you know, do you know Claire Harrison? I'm supposed to meet her. She's not here. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, she's in our sister sorority or because he's in the fraternity. He's in a fraternity. He's in, yes, the brother fraternity. Because he's in the brother fraternity of, of their sorority. Yes. Conveniently. And he tells them where to go. So Mr. Harrison goes to the sorority house and meets Mrs. Mack, the house mother. And Mrs. The alcoholic house mother. The alcoholic house mother. Mrs. Mack is freaking awesome, you guys. Let's talk about where Mrs. Mack has her liquor. She's got her liquor in a hollowed out book mm-hmm. in the library. Mm-hmm. She's got her liquor, oh, in a in, pantry in a box, but it was an empty bottle of liquor. Yeah. She's got one uh, bottle of liquor in the toilet tank. Yes. In the bathroom upstairs. That's the one she uses to rinse after she brushes her teeth. Which is, totally makes so much sense. Disgusting. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's sherry. It's not even like a good liquor. Ugh, I know. Like Sherry's the stuff like you cook with. You don't drink it. Ew. Gross. Please. I mean, gargle with champagne. Hello. <laughs> anyway. It's got bubbles. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Mr. Harrison, he meets Mrs. Mack, doesn't approve of anything in the sorority house. No. Doesn't approve that she has a townie boyfriend. Oh, Definitely does not. Speaking no. of townie boyfriend, I'm going to take us back a little bit. Mm. Barb, what is see you next Tuesday? Honey, townies can't be raped. Oh, I know. She says that like the very first scene. And that's why I didn't like Barb at first. Because I'm like, what a cunt. Seriously. Who says that? That is nasty. Yeah. So that's just rude. And it's towniest, if that's a thing. That's right. Classist? Classist. It's it's definitely classist. Classist. That is for sure. Yeah. So dad doesn't like the boyfriend. He doesn't like the imagery he doesn't like her room he doesn't like mrs mac he thinks he, mrs mac should be the morality police he didn't send his daughter to college for boys and drinking and flirting that's for sure no not at all no so they go to the christmas party that the sorority's throwing because obviously claire's not there so no. he drops miss mac off at the store and he goes on to the christmas party where barb's getting a 12 year old drunk 
Because that's... yeah, that's their that's uh, where they're like volunteering. Yes. For something with kids. I don't remember. Yeah, they were throwing a Christmas party. They had like a Santa suit and they had That's right. They had presents a, and um, food. Phil's boyfriend was he yeah, the Phil's one boyfriend. in the Santa suit? Swearing and... up a storm because Phil's going skiing with with Barb instead of going with him for the, the holidays. Yeah, right. It's just funny. He's, He's like hilarious. saying fuck and there's like an eight-year-old on his lap. Right. And then Barb's getting like an eight-year-old, another eight-year-old drunk. And this is why Barb's very drunk. College kids in fraternities and sororities should not be allowed near little children. Yeah. For these examples. For these exact things. <laughs> I know, personally, I seem to never be able to not swear in front of children. It's something that I struggle with on a daily basis. No, I, seriously, though, like... Every time, if I'm in public and I swear, I will turn around and there will be a little kid standing of less course. than five feet away. It's just like, you gotta I don't not know what care it is. About it. It's like my curse. You just got to not care. They're going to fucking learn about it later. Better for I me mean, than their mom, right? Truly, they probably already know because, you know, kids discover curse words pretty quick. But still, <laughs> it just is like my curse. It just always happens to me. Anyway. How is Barb not our hero? She's a drunk, loudmouthed bitch. Barb is my hero. She's no, I mean, not your hero? how is she not the hero of this movie, though? The heroine. Oh, I know. How is Jess? Jess, really, honestly. Milk toast. Yeah. I wish Barb was our hero. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I mean, Jess is, you know, a strong, independent woman. Don't get me she wrong. She is. She knows what she wants out of life, and she's not going to let any man hold her back. Barb is, like, the only death I'm sad about, though. <laughs> and I'm jumping ahead, but still. Yeah. Well, it's a slasher. What do you expect? I know. What do you expect, listeners? Speaking of Jess. Speaking of Jess? She goes to meet her boyfriend. Oh. The caring, sympathetic, understanding, loving Peter. Feminist Peter. Um, in case you didn't notice, that was all sarcasm. Very much so. He is our Chad. Have we mentioned that? Peter is the Chad. In case we, we haven't mentioned definitely that, mentioned that when yeah. we did the cast, yes. Why is he our Chad? Remind us now. Oh, well, let's see. Um, she tells Peter that she's pregnant. Yes. Um, but she does not want intend to keep it. Right. And Peter immediately goes into, what about me? It's my kid, too. Yes, because it's all about him. Mm-hmm about peter everything's about peter we find out in this movie absolutely everything he is a selfish dickhole he is a classical pianist in the music school he is going for his jury which um for someone who's not in music school it's basically at the end of each semester for your private lessons you have to perform one piece in front of a panel of three judges that do not wear robes let me just point that out there (laughs) and they give you it's a huge percentage of your grade for the year but peter's really stressed about it that's all he could think about yeah and now jess has told him she's pregnant Mm -hmm. now that's all he can think about (laughs) so shit goes crazy yeah, he really turns mean, and uh, they leave. Just ends up like storming out as she should because oh, yeah. fuck him, seriously. So she she goes to see Chris because while she's while she's dealing with Peter, and she's then she's going to see Chris, Mister Harrison, Claire's dad, Barb, and Phil go to the police station 
to try to get a police report for Claire. Yeah, because they're very concerned that nobody's seen Claire all day. Right. And Sergeant Nass, the desk desk sergeant, he just doesn't seem to give a shit. He just thinks she's out with a boyfriend. Yeah, she probably just, like, you know, went off with some guy and she'll be back uh, after the weekend. Yeah. She'll be back Monday. No problem. So luckily, Jess goes to see Chris, Claire's boyfriend, and he goes back to the police station. Because she's mad that, you know, they all learn that he didn't, you know, the sergeant didn't take it seriously. The police aren't taking it seriously. So Jess tells Chris this. Yeah. And Chris goes and raises holy hell. Yes, she does. And then they start to take it seriously. Mm-hmm. So because they're not taking it seriously, Barb leaves a great number for her phone number. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, she gives the clueless desk sergeant the number of their sorority house, which is under the new exchange F.E. for fellatio. I love it. Way better than Klondike. Am I right? (laughs) Oh, God. So, yeah. He's an idiot. And she even spells it for him. Right. The detectives even make fun of him later for it. Because they're like, oh fellatio, do you know what that is? It's a sex thing, isn't it? It's so yes, funny. Yes, it is. Oh, they're, they're like dying laughing. It's great. He deserves to get laughed at. <laughs> so then Drunk Barb, she upsets Mr. Harrison quite a lot. Well, she talks about turtles that have a three-day orgasm. Yeah. Three-day orgasm or three-day sex? Three-day sex. They have sex That's for three days. And he's like really disturbed because it's claire's dad so think about where that button up came from you know yeah so they put her to bed uh so yeah they put barb to bed because she was upsetting claire's dad (laughs) so then uh they form a search party right well they join the search party because the police so there's a missing girl missing too at the same time right at the same time so they do one big search party for everyone for both of them yeah so yeah mr harrison chris jess and phil go to do that while mrs mac gets ready to go to her sister's for the holidays yes she's going to pack and get ready i'm so sad she doesn't make it yeah she thinks she hears claude in the attic which how the cat gets into the how attic. does it how does a cat climb a ladder i would sincerely like to know but he was up there though because he was looking clear so he did get up there somehow through a vent or something how i don't i don't know does a cat climb a ladder so mrs mac goes up there to investigate to see where claude is to go get him down and she finds claire's body yes finally somebody finds claire's body unfortunately she then get killed by when the killer throws a hook at her yes it's like one of those pulleys yeah the hook with a hook at the end and then she's like impaled on the hook like a fish and she hangs from the hook wait yeah i'm assuming he pulls the pulley up and then it just rises her even further because yeah she gets pulled into the attic further she gets pulled up into the attic yeah we didn't mention this by the way the things that are in the attic there is uh, a rocking horse there's an old rocking horse there yeah. are bird cages everywhere there's bird cages everywhere there's bird cages in the attic there's bird cages in the basement i don't know why there's so many empty you bird cages think that every time a bird died they kind of put it away like this is its grave and we have to memorialize it. And each has Why like a little nameplate, like a Tweety. Using or, the same cage. I'm just saying they, they say, well, we can't use I it. Would, that was Tweety's birdcage. I mean, I think and Tweety's would dead. Just reuse it. I mean, I would. Normal people would, I think. Yeah. Everybody would. 
but it's really creepy. I mean, it looks like the set designer people, like, we need to fill this attic with shit. So let's just, oh, we have a lot of bird cages from. Yes, I don't know what the story the zoo is movie. behind that, but somehow they got a lot of, they got anything. a hold of a lot of bird cages. There's just all this shit that would not be in a sorority house. Yeah, it's weird. Like a rocking horse, what the fuck is that? That makes no sense either. Yeah, I mean, really, really Jeff strange. wasn't going to have the baby, so. No, <laughs> anyway. Mrs. Mack is killed. And uh, and then when they're out in the search party, they find the 13-year-old girl. Yeah. She's dead. Which we're never really sure if Billy killed her, too. But it doesn't... I don't think It's got to so. be killer magic timing. Because he couldn't... There's no way he could because he was in the sorority house the whole time. It's just weird to have two killers in the same town in the same I know. Instant. That didn't make any sense to me. I really kind of thought that part wasn't... Probably. what didn't. Yeah. Like, why in the world did they even include it? Yeah. I don't know. It didn't really add anything to the story. It kind of maybe. Oh, you've got a missing kid. Oh, she's got a missing kid. Now it makes. Now it's really urgent. Let's have a search party. I don't know. I think being things they're taken more seriously when it's a younger child than when it's an older girl. You know what I mean? Like I still think they could have just had a search party. I think so too. I I agree with you. I'm just saying. I don't know. Yeah, I I get you. There's a hole. Yeah, and it's gaping. It is the size of my mouth so it's really big it's really big so well yeah but the so the police they find the body so everyone goes home because they don't find claire um and they think mrs max left every time they think right, everyone's they, left they, they think don't think mrs. Mac left to go see her sister so they don't have any idea that she's not where she should be um the Police come to bug the phones. Yeah, because uh, part of the the conversation was that oh, we're getting these obscene phone calls, obscene phone calls. So they, yeah, they think it's a good idea to do it. And then Phil goes to, oh no. Meanwhile, da, da, da. um, then like what after that, sometime, uh, the killer comes across sleeping Barb. Yeah, um, the only ones at home are Jess and I think Phil at the time. Phil might not even been home yet. Um, but Barb's sleeping and she's got all these crystals, swans, unicorns, yeah, which is really out of character. Figurines. It's weird. Cause I would think Claire would have something like that. Yeah. It's like they switched rooms. Like the set design is very weird for this movie. Well, I know. And it's strange. Uh, yeah. I, I wouldn't have these delicate figurines for Barb. It just doesn't. Who knows? Maybe she's got that other side to herself. Weird. Anyway, no. The characters are just really deep. Okay, it's, they're just—they're all very well-rounded and deep. Maybe that's like the hint—the subtle hint. But like, hey, look how deep these characters are. She's technically uh, a closeted, not closeted, closeted cl- nice girl. Yes. Okay, we'll go with that. I don't know. See, she's hiding her sensitive side behind anger. It happens, you know, to the best of us. Like, I mean, some people. Are just, you speaking from experience, or are you I, saying for a friend? I'm, I'm just. I'm just saying that sometimes, you know, people like they're angry because inside they're scared. Are you tearing up? No, of course not. <laughs> You're like a little wet in the corners. Just saying. I'm fine. Okay. Well, anyway, yeah. So he takes Billy takes the the crystal unicorn with the huge fucking horn and stabs her with it. Oh I have problems with this. That thing is so fragile, it would have broken on impact. It would never have pierced her skin. No, there's no way it would have pierced her skin. Pierced her skull. What? No. Are you kidding me? It wouldn't have done anything. No. 
So it would have like bounced out of his hand I and like smacked him smacked in, the, him in the face. Like yeah. it's pretty for obvious reasons, but it would have had to have been made out of a knife. And it's hysterically like I don't know where they found this unicorn statue except at like Killers Are Us because it's <laughs> got the most giant horn, like horn, pointy. Like it's humongous too. Like it takes up the unicorn's entire forehead, and it's like six inches long. It's huge. Yeah. It's. It's so weird. It's great for visual. I mean, visually, it's, I mean, it's appealing. Yes, but it's like, no unicorn looks like that. What the it's hell? It's just so impractical as a murder weapon. I mean, come on. I, very, it's very impractical. Oh, my God. I just heard it. I just heard the pin go into the board. It's just, I'm just, that's, I, come on. That's, anyone would say that, though. It's impractical as a killing weapon. As a weapon. I don't, I think there's another pin in the board. No. I heard it. Right, I heard fine. it. Anyway, so Phil goes to check on Barb. Finds her dead and off screen. Yeah, Phil doesn't even get an on screen death. That sucks. That's sad. So we don't know how Phil died. We're going to assume the unicorn horn, but we're not really sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Jess gets a phone call, another obscene phone call. And this time, he. Oh, shit. No, I'm so sorry. Before Jess even gets the phone call, Peter comes around. Oh, yeah. Because Peter had a horrible jury with. Peter's judges jury and robes. went so bad with um, the robed judges. It sounds horrible, the, his jury piece. They sentenced he, him to life. What? I don't know. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> they probably gave him an F. But he fucking thrashes the grand piano. Like, yeah. He takes, he takes like one of those old school, well, obviously it was the 70s, um, metal, those metal heavy ass music stands and and just smashes the hell out of this beautiful oh, yeah. grand piano with I the hurt. bass. Mm-hmm. I hurt for the piano when he does this. Well, as a musician, I would yeah. expect to know less of you. Um, Myself, I, you know, I just thought it was funny. What a fucking dick, though. I mean, that's school property. I hope they charge him for that. Well, anyway, they're not going to. Once again, the Chad. (laughs) So he goes to confront Jess again about this because they're not done talking about this. He'll have his say. He's going to make a wife out of her yet, and they're going to raise this baby. And she'll have plenty of time to have her goals and dreams and blah, 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 blah. Right. Like, a.k.a. that'll happen never. Never. And Jess fucking knows it. She's too smart for it. I don't know how she ever got hooked up with him. She belongs with Chris, let's be honest. (laughs) I know. Who knows? I don't know why she ever spent like one iota of time with on Peter. Like he is such an asshole. Like you'd think it would have shown up before now. He actually, I think either he or she acts like, oh, I think he says, you act like this abortion thing is like removing a reward. Yeah, he does say that. And it's important because after he leaves, because they have their phone, you know, they're bickering and just tells him to leave, blah, blah, blah. And the obscene phone call comes in. The obscene phone call mentions it's like peeling off a wart. It's it's in one it's of his like ramblings. It's like getting a wart removed. Yeah, and and she oh, because she thinks it's Peter now. Mm-hmm. And then the police are able to get the tap on the phone and say the call's coming from inside the house. From inside the fucking house, you guys. And the the detective tells Nash to tell her just leave, just leave. Don't tell well, her why. Just leave. Right. He says, don't do. tell her why. Don't tell her why. Just tell her to get out of the house. You know, don't fuck this up. And basically, he ends up telling her why. Because he's dumb fuck. Because she won't leave. She's just right. like, well, why? What's, What's going on? What's going on? She won't leave it alone. So finally, he says, because the killers, the calls are coming from inside the house. The killer is in the house with you. You have to get out of there. And of course, instead of leaving, she immediately has to know how Phil and Barbar. 
because she thinks they're upstairs sleeping. Or at least that's what she thought until she found out the killer was inside the house. So she goes, she gets a fireplace poker and goes to look for Bill and Barb. She finds them dead in Barb's room. Yeah. And she sees through the crack in the door behind the door, Billy's eyes. Billy's eye. Not even both of them. Just one. Just one big round eye looking terrifying. So she slams the door into him. Nice. Nice idea. It was a good move. Mm -hmm. And runs down the stairs. But she does get caught up. She, he does pull her. Like, he does get her. I think he pulls her ankle. Does he? Yeah. But then she managed to escape into the cellar. Right. Where she locks herself in. Yeah. I couldn't remember how that went. I just remember that she manages to get to the center. The center. The cellar. And the, the police. Centered for murdered the girls. Center, I like that. Uh, so the, the, the one police guy who's, uh, the police guy, who's tapping the phone tells the detectives and they try to raise the the cop that's in front of the house. Meanwhile, he's got his throat slit, so he's not going to answer. He already did. He did. So they race to the house, but Jess is hidden in the space in the cellar, and who comes knocking? But Peter, for some reason, goes to the cellar windows. That's not yeah. like he tried the door. I know. I don't get that at all. Like, why does Peter? approach the sorority house and immediately think the logical thing to do would be to go to the cellar cellar. window and look for his girlfriend there. Right. Because if he had run into the killer or something, he would have been more urgent. He would have run away. I mean, it doesn't make sense. It does. It makes no sense that he's like somehow just knows she's there. He breaks a window when he climbs in because that makes sense. What is that about? So she thinks he's the killer at this point. Yeah. And she didn't get a good look at him behind the door when he was grabbing her. So the police enter. The next thing you see is the police entering the house, mm-hmm. and they find Peter dead in her lap with the fireplace poker sticking out of him. Yeah, she's alive. Yeah, she's obviously killed him. Hey, she did what she had to do. I think it was a smart move, even if he wasn't the killer. She should have <laughs> killed him anyway. <laughs> Whoops, she wasn't really the killer though. <laughs> Whoopsies. So the police put her to bed, and yeah, and you think presumably that they cleared the house. But nobody checked the attic, so they put her to bed, and everybody yeah. pretty much leaves. They leave her alone in the house. Yeah. And they leave the house. I don't remember. What, what gets them to leave the house at the end? Oh, um... Oh, uh, oh, Mr. Harrison goes Mr. into shock. Mr. Harrison, yeah, he goes into shock. So they, they all rush get... him to the emergency room because you need right. like 500 people to rush him to the emergency right. room. Right, everybody there needs to take him to the emergency room and nobody needs to stay with the disturbed girl who's been through so much tonight. Which has been, who's been drugged up because the doctor kind of gave her soothers, basically. Right, yeah. Except for one cop that's outside. It's probably Nash. I hope it is and I hope he dies. So he's outside smoking. Yeah, he's not even in the house with her. Meanwhile, you see the killer climb down from the attic. And in the distance, the phone rings and it rolls to credits. So we assume that Jess dies too. Probably. And probably the cop that's outside. Probably. Billy kills them all. He kills the whole town. Probably. Great flick. Good pick. And then the cops come back and he kills them too. And then, I mean, when does his rampage end? Never. Billy 2.0. They do have the sequel in 2006. You know what, is it a sequel or a reboot? I've got to look at it. I know. I think there was a re... Uh, I don't know if it was a reboot or a... Uh, I won't call it a cover. Yeah, okay. Um, or a remake 
there was one in 2009. Um, yeah, it was 2006. There was one in 2006, and Andrea Martin was the only cast member to return for it. Which one was Andrea Phil. Martin? Oh, Phil. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, here's this. A little trivia. The turtle they're talking about that can have sex for three straight straight, it's the sea turtle. Oh. It's a real thing. Just floating around in the ocean. Just having sex. Doing it for three days. Mrs. Mack was offered the road of to Betty Davis, but she turned it down. She and Olivia Hussey would later work on Death on the Nile, and they didn't get along. Which, we just did burnt offerings with Betty Davis, and none of them got along. And I'm imagining that's a pretty much a theme for Betty Davis's well, career. Well, you know, maybe Betty Davis was not getting her due respect. Is that why we don't get along? Because I don't give you your due respect? Exactly. <sighs> I mean, I I draw hints about it every day. You'd think you would notice. Yeah. No, not really. <laughs> this is allegedly inspired by the real life murders in Montreal, Quebec. Quebec. Where the holiday season where um, the Canadian serial killer Wayne Bowden killed three women in Montreal um, mm-hmm. between October and January. Of, and then... Uh, Were they in a sorority house? No. Oh. This is a Canadian film, though. It is, yeah. Which is cool. And the, and Jessie, the, Olivia, who played Jess, mm-hmm. she actually gave birth to her son before this. So she's contemplating an abortion, but she'd actually just give birth. She, she looks pretty good just for just giving, giving birth, birth like two months prior. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um okay. Wow. That's impressive. It was her first film actually since giving birth to her son. And she never been to Canada prior to this film either. So yeah. Well my goodness. A travel version as well. My goodness. I just can't believe she'd never been to Canada before. All the firsts for her. It's amazing. Shut up. Stop. You're being an ass. I'm just being an asshole. I, we I talked about Canada. how she was an it. The... Oh, Canada. Oh, God. Okay, we got a backstory for this. Oh, wait. No, that's not it. We <laughs> no, convinced... that was uh, Oregon. Oregon. We convinced a friend of ours who was taking her SATs that Oregon had seceded from the Union and joined Canada. And they had its own theme song. And theme song uh, anthem rather and, yeah and they had written their own anthem and we performed it for her as proof sung to the tune of O canada oh yes. oregon <laughs> and she believed us for a while we totally had her going yeah we had a good a couple hours at least mm-hmm. so she really thought oregon had succeeded i'm not i'm not sure she knows where oregon or she knew where oregon was i don't think she knew, <laughs> I don't think she knew washington was kind of in between oregon and canada <laughs> We're mean people. This is why we don't have friends anymore. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any trivia that you want to give? Because I gave a lot of trivia, but... Uh-uh. Uh, body count total is an eight. So where does this put Billy? Well, this puts Billy below... Oh, what's his name? Sam from You Might Be the Killer. Okay. Because um, Sam was 11. Technically, Billy's seven because Jess killed Peter. Right. So seven. So Billy is, he's a meh. Meh. He's okay. a meh. All right. I mean, you know, seven people, if it was in one night, that I think that would that would count a little bit more. But it wasn't even in one night. No, it was like over the span of two nights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. 
Should we rate? Um, d- 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 yeah, let's rate. Um, this was chaos pick. A chaos pick. So I will rate first. <laughs> um, I'll give this movie an eight. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think it has a lot of rewatchability. And I really honestly do not watch Christmas movies, so that's saying something. Yes. But, I, you know, if I have to watch a Christmas movie, I'd rather it was a slasher Christmas movie, so. I get that. Yeah. I get that. This is about as warm and fuzzy as I get. Um, I'm actually pretty close to you. Yeah. I'm about an 8.376. Oh, okay. I liked it. I really liked it. That's how I feel, let's say. Oh, I was thinking how I feel. They like me. They really like me. Oh. Uh, I immediately thought of cereal. I don't know. Um, Do you want some fan fiction? Yeah. There's only two crossovers, but they're good. Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Supernatural. So go check those out. Really? Yes. Which which one is that on? Uh, this is on fanfiction.net. They don't do crossovers on... Uh, well, they do do them on Archive Own, but I'm too lazy to look that up. Hold on. I'll look it up now. Let's see. We've got some mixes with The Bell, The Boy... I'm sorry, The Boy, uh, It. Uh, that's a straight one. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Interesting. Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Not sure about that one. House of Wax. Weird cat. Yeah, a lot of horror stuff. So nothing really. Fan fiction on that's where you get the exciting crossovers. Archive of our own, you're going to get some normal ones, like horror with horror. you would expect. Yeah, exactly. Mm, Yeah. Like. But yeah, like uh, fan fiction on that's where you get like the My Little Pony and Saw, you know. (laughs) That's where you get those. So. And Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Oh, I miss those. Yes, I do, too. Um, uh, well, let's see what else. I think that's it. You ready to pimp us and get out? I think I think it's time to pimp and get out. Time to pimp us. So we are part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcast Radio Network, morbidlybeautiful.com, uh, which is a horror website that has tons and tons of content by excellent writers, Movie reviews, fiction. Oh, great reviews. Um, yeah, just, like, amazing reviews. Like, oh, yeah. they've got so much content, too. And they have, like, daily co- columns that highlight uh, different um, things. Like, To Be Tuesday, I like. Every Tuesday, we get a different review of a movie that's streaming for free on Tubi. I love that. Which is so cool. So go uh, check them out. And we are also, let's see, we are hosted by anchor.fm slash podcast at night. We are on social media, Facebook, uh, Facebook community, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Instagram, at podcast at night. I am at chaos at night. Carnage is at carnage at night. What do you not? I barely go on there, though. Yeah, we. I mean, I, I, I know I haven't been doing a lot on there either. You want to interact with us? Go really to our main. Yeah, go to yeah. at podcast at night and uh, check us out over there. Um, because that's really all we do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what else? Oh, I think you know we would really appreciate a review. Um, they help us out a lot to spread the word about the show. 
And uh, we would also appreciate you spreading the word. Um, but if you could give us a review, um, leave it on iTunes, give us a good rating. And if you screenshot it and send it to us at podcastatnight at gmail.com, we will send you a free vinyl sticker for your trouble. If you are interested, we have a merch store over on Redbubble. Link in the show notes uh, where we have t-shirts, stickers, bags, pillows, all kinds of stuff, even a shower curtain. So go over there and check out those designs. They were all designed by me. Oh, I'm so impressive. <laughs> um, and that's everything from me. So I'm just going to say goodbye and stay bloodthirsty, friends. And good night from Carnage. And as always, we're filmed in front of a live studio audience of treasure-seeking kitties. Oh, they dig in the sand when they poop and then they find gold. They found gold! Yay! (laughs) Treasure-seeking kitties? Treasures. No, like your cat's over on the curio cabinet. Treasure-seeking kitties. Like, what does that have to do with Black Christmas? I don't know. We were talking about the cats this time. Okay. All right. Billy-speaking kitties. Billy kill you. Oh, that's way scarier. I want to go back to the treasure seeking kitties. <laughs> Too late.